0: John chapter number four, and we're going to read a little bit more lengthy passage. I'm going to kind of try to read the entire encounter here between Christ and the Samaritan woman. We're going to come back and kind of dissect it and look at it a little bit. I'm not preaching on mothers this morning, so moms, you're off the hook, dads, you're off the hook. Um, Speaking of which, by the way, um, typical, customary for us. We're not going to have men's prayer meeting tonight. So gentlemen, you now have to go take your mama out or your wife out. You're, it's on you, okay? So, but no uh, no prayer meeting tonight. Uh, y'all y'all go spend some time with the, the mothers in your life and, and have a good evening. Um, John chapter number four. I'm going to speak this morning, uh, continuing on missions. On, I'm going to speak on the people of missions, the people of missions. So John chapter 4, beginning verse number 1. Y'all bear with me. We're going to read quite a bit here this morning. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's about noon uh, in the way they kept time. Verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? which I am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gaveth, gave us this well? and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. Verse 17, The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. The woman saith unto him, "I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things." Jesus saith unto her, "I that speak unto thee am he." Verse 27. And upon this uh, and upon this came his disciples, and marvelled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, "What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her?" The woman then left her waterpot and went away into the city, and saith to the men. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. He said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, his disciples uh, said, Disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap uh, that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye have entered in to their labors. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days and many more believed because of his own word. And said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I've heard it said time and time again about ministry, church work, that the the ministry is about people. And as a card-carrying introvert... I do have to grudgingly admit that that is true. One day, every church building will be rubble. One day, every songbook will be fragments. One day, everything we see around us will be dust. The things of this earth will pass away, the monuments, the legacies, the memories. But there is something here today that will last forever. That is the human soul. A person's house may crumble, their riches disperse, their names forgotten, but that person's soul lives on. A person's body may wear out, their their teeth, their joints may not even be their own anymore, but that person's soul will live on. The names of history, their souls live on. The names in the Bible, their souls live on. The names in the phone book, it's hard to find those anymore. My crowd understands what that is though. I may have to explain it to my kids you know, later. But, uh, but the names of the phone book, those souls live on. The names of the people I, I can't pronounce and the places I can't locate on a map, their souls live on. The rich and the poor, their souls live on. The famous, the forgotten, their souls live on. The strong, the weak, their souls live on. The babies murdered before birth, their souls live on. The victims of violence, their souls live on. Your family members, their souls live on. One day, heaven and earth will pass away. All will be made new. One day, our bodies will be transformed in the resurrection. What does not change, our souls live on. Crazes come and go. I thought about this. as one of my favorite little historical moments. I don't know why, but in 1634, if you lived over in the Netherlands, you would have witnessed what they called tulip mania. Anybody familiar with tulip mania? Speculation, buying, selling tulip bulbs skyrocketed the price of flowers to the point it said that a single tulip bulb could sell for ten times the average income of a worker. Basically, you could sell your house and buy one flower. It died out in about 1637. It's not that way anymore. So if you're looking to get rich with your garden, I'm sorry that that day's passed. You're about 400 years too late. I thought about in the 1980s. I vaguely remember this, but you had the cabbage patch craze. Some of y'all remember that. In the 90s, you had the Beanie Babies. Don't you dare tear that tag off that Beanie Baby. It's worthless. After all that insanity calmed down, all that was worthless. Can I tell you something? It'll never be worthless. A human soul fads come and go but the soul lives on we're highlighting missions this month and there's no greater cause on god's green earth than missions why simple because the soul lives on people need to hear the gospel we need to share it and we can all do something give pray go write encourage the, the list goes on it's infinite so many things we could do. Our text this morning is a familiar story. I, I hope if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this preached on dozens of times. But it's the story of Christ and the Samaritan woman. It's honestly, it's a very deeply personal story. We, we really get to kind of know this woman. We get to know her history. We get to know her heart a little bit in this interaction. This could have been summed up in the, probably the way we would tell this story is Jesus went to the well and met a woman, told her his Messiah. She went back. We would have compressed this all down. But we have this wonderful, intimate interview between uh, Christ and the Samaritan woman. It's it's an amazing story to see and read. But I remind you, it was a real person in a real place with a real need. And Christ provided the real solution. By the way, he went out of his way to do so. The historians and people tell us that the Jews would often, they, they wouldn't travel. It was actually a straight route, going from Jerusalem to Galilee or Galilee-Jerusalem to go straight through Samaria. But a lot of times they would travel all the way around it either side. They didn't want to go through there. It's kind of like me in certain towns in Oklahoma where I got a speeding ticket, and I, I just, I, I tried try to avoid. Uh, Kiowa, Oklahoma, curse you, Kiowa, Oklahoma. All right, but they tra- difficult to travel around. But Christ here said, "I must need. I have to go through Samaria. Why? Because he knew there was a person there that needed him. A person, a soul needed him. A town, a bunch of souls. Not just one. There was a bunch of people that needed him. Yeah, the ministry is about people. It's about their souls. Talk about missions reaching people. That's their souls. That's the mission." i got four things I want to highlight. Talking about the people of missions. First off, I want us to look at the captives. The captives. Jesus wasn't sightseeing when he went through Samaria. He had an appointment to keep. In the middle of the day, they had come to Jacob's well. You can still visit this site today. Bible times, by the way, custom was the ladies would go out usually in the early morning, sometimes late uh, in the evening, but they didn't go in the middle of the day. It's hot. We understand that. But they would go in the morning, get their stuff for the day. This, but, so it's, it's kind of unusual here. In the middle of the day, here comes this lone woman to draw water when no one else is around. I think that probably speaks to the fact that she was something of a a social pariah in the community, at least to the ladies there. They didn't want to be around her. She didn't want to be around them. So she's coming at this time when there's no one around. You look at her record that's uh, that's given out, married five times, divorced five times, living, uh, that's implied there, but living with a man while not married. This is scandalous here. I imagine it's easier for her just to go get water here alone in the middle of the day so she doesn't get the sideways looks, the comments under people's breath. Why did Christ go through Samaria? Because of that woman, the woman that was trying to hide from the community. Why was he there by the well? Because of that woman. That woman had a great need. She was a captive bound in her sin. Paul wrote of such in 2 Timothy 2.26. says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Captive in the chains of sin. The fetters of her sin held her tight. The chains of sin held her captive. She had no hope. Trapped on a decline that would send her into hell. You don't have to go to Samaria to meet the Samaritan woman. They're all around us, captive by Satan and sin. No hurt, no 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 hope. Yearning for freedom and life and light. That is the cry of missions, like the Macedonian call of Paul in Acts 16:9, where in that in that vision you saw the man said, "Come over into Macedonia and help us. We need help. We are captive. Free us." From the Chains of Sin. It's said that the, the famous missionary, David Livingston, was inspired to become a missionary when he heard uh, another missionary named Robert Moffat speak. And Robert Moffat was said to say, In the vast plain of the, to the north, I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been said that that broke David uh, Livingston's heart <coughs> and that he made it his purpose to go out and seek these places that had never been touched or reached with the gospel. If only we could see the great need around us, the captives that surround us. Second, I want us to see the Christ. We could go through here and dissect this conversation. I've actually kind of done it in the past through doing some sermons, but... It's a masterful example of drawing someone into the gospel. He, uh, I simply ask you to note in this that he didn't stop when he asked for a drink of water. That that wasn't what he really needed. He didn't stop when he talked to her about her sin or uh, the debate about where they worshipped. Americans worshipped at Mount Gerizim and the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem and they had this debate going back for centuries. But he finally gets where he needs to go in verse 26 when he says to her, I that speak unto thee am he. He said, I am the Messiah. I've heard some modern writers and say things, well, Jesus never said he was God. Never said, He says it right there. That's one of the cases. He says it. He claims it right there. He didn't give her a theology lesson. He didn't give her a list of things to change before she could be converted. All he did was introduce himself. What did she need? She needed him. What did she tell the men when she got back to notice so that she told the men? She didn't tell the ladies, probably because the ladies wouldn't talk to her. <laughs> but she goes back and tells the men, come see a man which told me all the things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She says, Come meet this man, this person, this individual. That is evangelism and missions in a nutshell. We are simply introducing people to our Savior. Come meet Christ. Come meet Him. By the way, John chapter number 1, that's what Philip did with Nathaniel. Philip findeth Nathaniel, saith unto him, We have found Him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, says, Come, see the man. He didn't come say come to church or see a show or hear concert or come get a free meal he said come meet jesus the woman said come meet jesus that's what we preach today come meet jesus i love the little phrase in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 I, i use it i know quite a bit it seems like but that little phrase christ in you the hope of glory christ the person the son of god the messiah The Lamb of God. He is our hope. Not us. But He, the person who lived, who died, who rose again. He is our hope of glory. It is only He that can free the captive from their sins. So we see the captives. We see their great need. We see Christ who has a solution. Now the third group of people I want us to see is the called someone must go someone must introduce the captive to christ and that's where we come in we are called summoned commanded to go into all the world preach the gospel mark 16 15 go in the world preach the gospel to every creature uh, he, he's speaking broadly there; he's not just talking to his disciples as individuals it's very broad it's a command that's passed down to his believers throughout the ages it's uh, I I think that this goes to all of his followers, past, present, and future. We are all called to the work. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 10. It kind of came up in Brother Man's video there. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. And by the way, that's all the world right there. You're either a Jew or you're not a Jew, okay? That covers everybody. You know, there's only three kinds of people in this world, those who can count those who can't. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the gospel we preach. So you've got to all the world. You've got the message that we're proclaiming to them. Verse 14. How then shall they call on Him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? That's the state of the captive. They're captive in their sin. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Here's where the call comes in. And how shall they preach except they be sent? That's the Great Commission. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We're all called to do our part. I'll tell you something I just realized as I was putting this together about this story. It's really sad when you think about it. Twelve disciples went into that city to buy food. Who did they tell about Christ? Who did they bring to Christ? That was kind of their job, wasn't it? As far as I can tell, not a single person. No one that they passed in the street, no one they had to ask directions from to the nearest Chick fil A, you know, uh, no one that they, uh, there wherever they got the food at the market. How many people did they walk by? How many people did they talk to? But being probably good Jews, they probably turned their nose up at those Samaritans. I, mean, I don't talk to these riffraff. So many in that city were saved that day, but not because of the disciples. That one Samaritan woman, an outcast shunned, was more faithful to the call than the 12 disciples. By the way, look at what Christ tells them. Look at verse 35. He tells the disciples, say not ye there yet four months and then comes the harvest. You know, because you got to plant and you got to let it grow. you got to wait four months. You know. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field. He's saying, look, there's the harvest. You were just there. You walked right through the field. They are white and all ready to harvest. And now I can imagine him just kind of pointing. Like, look, look at the city. Look, See all those people? And probably by this time, I heard a preacher say at this time, that, that he says, he points out, here comes all these people, you know, coming out of town Is, is he as he's pointing over there. Verse 36, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, gather fruit unto eternal life. Both he that soweth, he that reapeth may rejoice together. And, here is, and herein is that saying true. One soweth who sowed. The Samaritan woman. One person sowed. And another reapeth. That's what the disciples are about to do. I sent you to reap. And also I sent you. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor, other men labored, and you entered into their labors. We talk of the Good Samaritan. We love that parable, how uh, all those Jewish leaders, the rabbis and all that stuff, walked by that man in his distress, but only that Samaritan stopped and rendered aid and took care of that man in his his need. But I'm going to tell you, here is a similar tale. Here's another Good Samaritan a lady that preached the gospel when the Jewish disciples would not. We must be faithful to the call. The fourth thing I just want to see here, we're talking about people. We've looked at individuals, but I want to look at a group now. I want to see the church. The church. In the words of Christ we just read, He talks about the teamwork that's required for a harvest. Someone has to go out and sow the seeds. And oftentimes it's not necessarily the same person. And uh, or oftentimes you would come in, you didn't necessarily hire a bunch of people to go out and sow, but you hired a bunch of people to come in and reap it because you got that little window when it's right to, to go out and harvest the grain. Both are necessary. You can't harvest as it hasn't been planted. And why would you plant what you're not going to harvest? You've got to have both elements to it and he makes application that is also so so in the spiritual harvest before us someone may sow the seed of the gospel and another reap its harvest it's teamwork and there's teamwork involved in the work of missions we just spoke about all those who are called to the work and got to be careful and say here i think we are all called to be part of the work but that doesn't mean we're all necessarily called to go to the foreign field. I, I, I use this analogy. It's not a perfect analogy. You know, forgive me on this, but this is the analogy. I, I I think of an army. And when we think of an army, probably the number one thing you think of is actually kind of the, the grunts. You got the guys and they you know, they got their boots. They got their camo. They got their rifles. The guys who actually go out and do the fighting. That's probably, if I, if I said picture somebody in the army, That's probably what would pop in your mind. You probably didn't think about a cook, did you? Maybe a general, maybe. How about a quartermaster? Maybe the most important person next to the cook in the army. Cooks are very important. Isn't that right, those of you who serve, Bill? I would say the cooks are probably the most important. Uh, But these guys... In this, you've got the grunts with guns, but you also have the quartermaster with supplies. You've got the cooks with food. You've got doctors with medicine. You've got generals with plans. And we could go on and on and on. But can you imagine if I just removed one of those? Generals got a great plan. you got guys with guns, but uh, they got no food. Somebody said an army marches on its stomach. That's going to be a defeat. By the way, historical examples of that abound. Well, if they get out there and they forgot to bring the doctors, they don't have any way to treat the wounded, or when they get sick, they don't have a way to treat them, it would be chaos. What if they're out there and they they don't have a leader? They just don't have a plan, but we got everything else. We got guns, we we got food, we got supplies, what do we do? You take out any one of those little cogs in the machine and the machine fails. It's not a perfect metaphor, I know, but it works well because not everyone is, is a pastor, not everyone is a teacher, not everyone is a treasurer. Thank God for those. Not everyone is a, is, a, is, a, is a custodian, and we can just go on and on and on down the list. But we all have a part to play. Not everyone can be a missionary. Not everyone can be a great soul winner. Not every, but but every one of us can. Share the gospel. Every one of us can give. Every one of us can pray. I count as my life verse. People talk about life verses and stuff. And, and I, I, I've always claimed Isaiah 6:8, where Isaiah stands before the Lord and it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. God's calling today to believers everywhere just to do your part. Who will go? There are some folks that need to go. Who will pray? I want say, okay, well, we all can do that. Who can give? I think we all can do that. Who will encourage? I think we all can do that. You can't say we haven't been called to the work. We all have been called to the work. We just need to surrender. Here am I. Send me. And as our theme is, wherever he leads, I'll go. i will wrap this up here. First off, do you see the need around us? Our community, our state, our nation, our world, Can't you see the darkness? Can't you see the captives? Can't you see the need? Can you hear the cry that comes up around us? People need the Lord. People need the gospel. It's more evident every passing day. Second I'll well, ask who will be in heaven because of us? because I shared the gospel because I helped support a missionary. What difference am I making in this in this world? There's the little poem that said, uh, said uh, only one life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last. Well, what impact am I making in, in eternal, uh, on the eternal scale? Now, what can you do to help reach them? And by the way, music' y'all, y'all go ahead and come. I've got one little story right here I'm going to tell as we get wrapped up. What can you do to help reach the lost? Some are called to go. Those that go need us to pray, to give, to support, to encourage. There's a very famous illustration of this I want to use, and I dug into this and I found out I found some facts on this I didn't know. William Carey is considered to be the father of modern missions. Born in 1761, he, he was saved at the age of 18. He worked as a shoemaker, and while he would work on shoes. He would put books out and he learned languages. He studied uh, a multitude of languages at this time. But he had a burden for the lost around the world. And he sparked an interest. He wrote a book, he preached, and, and did a lot of things. But he sparked an interest in world missions there among the Baptists in England. Through his... Uh, influence and and some other folks that were involved Uh, in 1792 the baptist missionary society had a different name before but became known as the baptist missionary society was formed and basically these these men bound themselves together and said we will pledge and support the work that we're going to send these guys out to do. We're, we're, we're going to financially take care and support and, and take care of the needs of these men that we're going to send out to do missions work. And among its founders, uh, Andrew Fuller is probably the most famous, and he's, he's a very interesting uh, pastor, Andrew Fuller, another guy named John Ryland. John Ryland, this is what he wrote about sending William Carey, and there's another guy, I did not write down his name and I've already forgot, but there's another guy with him, two guys left to go to India as missionaries. But John Ryland wrote this, Our undertaking to India really appeared to me on its commencement to be somewhat like a few men who were deliberating about the importance of penetrating into a deep mine, which had never before been explored. We had no one to guide us, and while we were thus deliberating, Carry, as it were, said, Well, I will go down if you will hold the rope. But before he went down, he, as it seemed to me, took an oath from each of us at the mouth of the pit to this effect, that while we lived, we should never let go of the rope. Friends, we can't all go. That's not the way it works. We all have a part to play. We all have a ministry and a mission God has given each of us. But we can all hold the rope. We can all hold the rope for those who go into the deepest, darkest abyss to seek and to save the souls that are lost. Last I say, on this, we talk about missions, we talk about Christ, the most important thing is to know Him yourself. Have you met Him? as a Samaritan woman met Him? Have you met Him? Do you know Him? It's more than just a, a knowing that He existed, but do you know Him personally, that He is your Savior? That He, and only He, not our works, not our goodness, not our church membership, and He, has washed us from our sins, that He has saved us. Don't go a moment, you don't know when this life will end, don't go a moment more than you must, settle that. If, you know, if you're online, contact me, if you're here, talk to somebody, grab one of us, when we have the invitation, come down, make sure that's settled, that's the most important thing in all this world, because the soul will live on, make sure our soul is good, and then we need to go out and See about the souls of others. If you'll stand, please. I we'll have time. For the invitation, 285 in the Baptist Hymnal. If you would like to sing along with the invitation hymn this morning, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this this old familiar story, a story that still, Lord, just resonates so much emotion. 2,000 years later, just just an amazing story of how Christ reached this one woman and through her, an entire town was turned upside down. Just an amazing story. Lord, that we would see the needs of those around about us, that we would see that you are the answer for those needs, that we would see that we have a part to play in reaching those that are lost. And Lord, whatever that may be, whether that is hopping on a plane or a ship and going across the ocean or going to somebody next door or or Lord, maybe that is spending some extra time on our knees in prayer. Whatever that may be, let us all do our part to hold the rope for those, Lord, who go in to do that much needed work to seek out the lost. Lord, I thank you for this this month. It's been so good so far as we've highlighted missions. I just pray that you continue to press it and challenge it in our own hearts and lives. And Lord, most importantly, don't want to neglect. If we're reaching those lost, I want to reach those right here. Lord, if someone doesn't know that's here, that's within our reach, that we be able to reach them before it's too late, that they heed the gospel call while there is still time. Lord, thank you for this message, this challenge this morning. Press it upon our hearts, I pray in this invitation time. In thy holy name, amen.